Welcome to the Rose Woman Pod. I'm your host, Christine Marie Mason. Every week we talk about something that moves us into more liberation, more peace and power and pleasure in our lives, maybe unwinds a belief that doesn't serve us anymore. And this week we're talking about lingerie, but not just lingerie. We're also talking about enclothed cognition, which I will define later. But first, a poem. Bob bought a $100 suit, but couldn't afford any underwear. Says he, if your outside looks real good, no one will know what's under there. Jack bought some $100 shorts, but wore a suit with rips and tears, and says he, it won't matter what people see as long as I know what's under there. Tom bought a flute and a box of crayons, some bread and cheese and a golden pear, and asked for his suit or his underwear. He doesn't think about them much. Or care. That's Shel Silverstein. He wrote A Light in the Attic and so many other marvelous books of simple poems, but all with great wisdom. My personal favorite is the one about if you don't want to do the dishes anymore, just break a few. But in terms of lingerie, that's not just underwear. Lingerie has a whole culture and psychology to it. So today we're going to talk about self seduction and more. Uh, with my guest, Carly Cazada, the founder of Supernatural. She's a curator and retailer of very luxe and sustainable lingerie. And we cover style definitions, conscious textiles. I know you'll enjoy it. But in the process of researching for this episode, I came across the term enclothed cognition, which is a term for how what we wear changes our mind. It describes the systematic influence that clothes have on the wearer's psychological processes. And the impact is dependent on both what you see as the symbol of those clothes to begin with, and also the physical experience you have wearing them. The first experiments in defining the impact of enclosed cognition were done with lab coats. So what they found is that if someone physically wore a lab coat, it increased their selective attention compared to people who were not wearing lab coats. And if they were wearing a lab coat and also told that it was a doctor's coat versus a painter's coat, the impact was even more significant. So when we take that idea of enclosed cognition and apply it to lingerie, what does that mean? Carly talks in this episode early on about lingerie not being a costume for sex, that many women select what they wear as something that's purely for their own pleasure. And fashion psychologists from the studies that I read, say that women self-report when they're wearing lingerie, more confidence, sensuality, an uplifted mood, that in some way it keeps them connected to their sensual and sexual self throughout what would otherwise be a mundane day, that it's just playful. And that there's even some identity shift that comes with it where people think like, oh, I'm I'm the type of woman who wears sexy things every day, and I'm a sensual and sexual person, and I make sure to give a little consideration to that when I'm dressing. And then as I sort of feel it on my body throughout the day, I'm reminded that this part of myself also exists. But of course, it's not just for ourselves. It's also sexy to others. About 35% of people have some degree of turn-on with stockings, panties, lingerie of all types. 
And the sexual excitement may in some ways be cultural, like silk and satin and leather and lace have so many associations. I can remember even being like a young teen in that Stevie Nicks song, uh, Leather and Lace, you know, mm, give to me your leather, take from me my lace. That song, like I heard that, even at that age, I was like, oh, that's so sexy. That contrast, that intensity of texture and suggestivity. Uh, but it could also be biological. Take this uh, 2014 study uh, titled, well, actually, the study's not titled this. This is just a headline from an article reporting on the studies. It says, scientists dressed rats up in sexy little jackets to find out what turns them on. And basically, the study says, if you take male virgin rats and you allow them to have sex with females and you give them the choice between uh, ones that are wearing little furry, little vests, little jackets, little rat lingerie, and ones that aren't, they will prefer the ones that are wearing the little outfit. And over and over again, whether it's the first time or the second time, they'll always prefer the one wearing the little outfit, which is kind of weird. You know, there's a lot of odd little studies out there. I found one on the stimulation of the visual cortex, that the contrast of color matters a lot, like red and black on pale skin, or white or blush on ebony skin, bright or jewel tones on any skin, that the contrast itself is part of the visual excitement. So as we get into this episode with Carly, I hope uh, you are giving some thought to how you feel in your undergarments and where you stand on creating a sensual moment through dress in your daily life. What's your favorite sensual garment? Do you even have one? I mean, I know a lot of us go through our days with like, just give me something that shows well under a t-shirt and then I don't even have to feel or know that's there. But maybe, maybe there's an opportunity here to create a little more pleasure. So let's get into it. So today we're talking sexy lingerie, lingerie in general. Yeah, I can't even believe I just already ghettoized it by saying sexy. Because that's how we think of it, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think um, for many women, they think of, especially the term itself, lingerie, as like a costume for sex. Um, but it's so much more than that. And I'm excited to dive into all the things that make it a passion of mine. Right. Okay. So let's just start with that. It's not If it's not a costume for sex, then what is it, Carly? What's it to you? <laughs> to me, it's such a powerful tool of self-expression and embodiment of sexuality um, on the one hand, but also um, modern lingerie is, is, is designed in such a way that um, is really so broad and diverse that what feels sexier boost confidence um, is something that can be really unexpected. So like, for example, today I'm wearing like a, like a high neck bra that's kind of tank style, but still has an underwire. And it just is a bit sporty and modern, but it's super sheer. So I put it on and I feel just amazing on a day-to-day level. Um, and that intimate expression of personal style and personality, um, I think is something that's really unique and special to lingerie. Yeah, you're also saying something about the skin feel, which I have to say, I never associated with lingerie until recently. I always thought of it as like itchy, bindy laces things that you couldn't wear for very long, to your point. But your things are actually 
run the a, a wide range and most of them are super comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really soft fabrics. Um, the designers are just so thoughtful about making things that are not only beautiful, but uh, super comfortable and easy to wear for a long time. So when women come in to your shop or when you encounter them in general, and if you can speak on behalf of Supernatural, but also in general, like around your experience in the industry, when women come in, do they generally come in with that self-expression attitude or are they still coming in with that mentality of the little red lace thing? What's the migration that you've seen in the way women think about wearing a lingerie? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely women that come in and right from jump, they are open with their sexuality and uh, interested in the most avant-garde designs right away. But definitely more commonly, I see people that come in and say things like, well, you know, if I had a boyfriend, I would wear this or that. Um, Or, you know, maybe when I lose 10 more pounds, I'll come back. And so it is a bit of a process. And that's something that I really enjoy about what I do and getting to interact with customers every day, because, you know, it just opens a space for such an intimate conversation about, like we're saying, personal expression and where people are at in their lives and relationships and how they see themselves. Yes, that journey is very interesting. And it often starts with um, something small and introductory, (laughs) and then it kind of grows from there. I actually had a really beautiful conversation with somebody a few weeks ago who's become a friend and not only customer, but a friend. And she came in and said, you know, I wear this stuff from you all the time. And I I thought when I bought it that I would find it too precious and (laughs) wouldn't wear it every day, but it just feels so great. And I feel so great in it. And in fact, I've totally stopped wearing Spanx (laughs) because I just don't, feel good in them. I mean, yeah, I guess it makes me feel a little bit slimmer on the outside, but I am never comfortable and I don't feel like I look great in them. So it's nice to just sort of embrace the body as it is today. Well, I have two responses to that. One is I bought foundation garments, the old traditional kind to wear to a wedding uh, because I wanted to wear this like slinky little number. And I was miserable. I felt like a snossage. It's the worst. I'll never do that again. And then secondly, what do you say when someone comes in and says, oh, maybe when I lose the weight? How do you, when someone criticizes their body in general, what's your response to them? Yeah, I usually like to remind them kind of along the lines of what I just said, just that there's no need to wait. I mean, today is the day. Adorn and celebrate your body and yourself and what you're into. I mean... There's always more to buy. If you lose weight, great. You can come find something else. If you gain weight, great. You can come find something else. And really, the body fluctuates. I mean, women's bodies fluctuate throughout our monthly cycles. So it makes sense that um, you might have more than one size in your drawer. So that's okay. I think that's definitely true. And the and the other one, someone who was I listening to? I was talking to a friend of mine, and she was describing watching her mother mm-hmm. get dressed. And she said that when my mother used to get in a really bad mood, she'd dress up for herself and dance in front of the mirror. 
And I totally do that too. Like when you, when you have a terrible cold and just put on like a full face of makeup and like your best outfit, it just totally changes things. I think that's the answer to the person who says, well, if I had a boyfriend. Yes. And to that too, I say, you know, again, it's not a performance. It's about celebrating yourself. Like you are worthy of beauty. It doesn't have to be, you know, for someone else. Oh, wait. And then the Shel Silverstein poem where he's like, would you rather have you know, this fancy seat on the outside, a really nice underwear, you know, and, and then, <laughs> I, know you, one. I, I have to find this poem for you. I'll find it for okay. you. I'll put it in the show notes for everybody else who's oh, listening. Perfect. Okay. All right. So we're feeling great in our body. Uh, we're coming in and there's a whole range of styles now and what you're calling avant-garde modern lingerie. And before we get into this eco-sustainable textile passion, can you talk a little bit about how you break down the different styles and how they reflect the psychology of the women who buy them? So uh, when I describe things as, you know, kind of avant-garde or modern lingerie, I'm really thinking about the types of laces that are are used. So for example, a lot of the brands are using more geometric styles rather than like a traditional floral lace. There's often a lot of really strong kind of graphic lines on everything that feel like beautiful frames and outlines of the body. You know, and those styles I would say are a bit more wearable and everyday, but then we also have things that range into much more bondage inspired styles. What does that mean? So like super strappy and uh, lots of accessories like collars and big metal hardware, a lot of like open styles. So like open cups or open bottom briefs, bodysuits, that type of thing. And how is that? I, mean, I have the sense in general that bondage or that sort of suggestion of power play is getting more acceptance. What do you see? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even just wearing collars out as like a fashion accessory, I think is definitely an indication of that. And it's becoming, you know, it's been a bit of a trend for a while, but it's becoming more and more mainstream to wear, you know, these sort of bralette crop tops out as a shirt. Yeah, I definitely see that. I remember really trying to hide the straps. Yes on everything. And nobody's doing that anymore. It's like, nope, this is just a layer. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I remember having those like clear straps in middle school. Did you ever have those? Yeah. 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 Clear straps. And then how like fancy dresses used to have strings with snaps in them so that you could snap so that they wouldn't, God forbid, slide, (laughs) slide around. Like as if everyone doesn't know you're wearing a bra. (laughs) Right. Right. Because they just stand up that way. Right. Perk up like, like, Particularly if I'm wearing that little, I mean, I'm a double D. If I wear that little shelf thing, uh-huh. I don't know. They come, they look like they come from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> like the squeezy thing. They're like, boy, boys, yes. boy, oh boy. So let's, let's get into this serious nature of things. Like we are looking at a global economy that is highly dependent on ag- agrochem, on toxins, on dyes, on slave labor. And we're not going to mince words here. When people are buying clothes for cheap, they're basically made with slave labor. And lingerie is really no different in general. When you set out to do this company, how did you even begin? Like, how do you set criteria? Just talk to us a little bit about sustainability in choosing what you put on your body. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like that's the only responsible way forward for 
anyone engaged in the fashion industry. So when I set out to do this, I didn't want to do what everybody else was doing. I, you know, it was really important to work with independent designers, creating original designs and interesting and innovative designs, not only in the way things look, but also the way they're made. And most of them are quite small operations that control all of their own production facilities and work with many generation family-owned lace suppliers, mesh suppliers, hosiery suppliers. And they're doing things ranging from zero waste facilities that use only solar and renewable power in those facilities to using really interesting fabrics that are made from recycled yarns. So while quite a lot of the fabrics are still synthetic, they are making them from pre and post consumer content. And there's one fabric, um, I'll have to double check, I um, believe it's called a ROICA, it's an acronym. And in fact, that the way that fabric is developed is it is a synthetic, but it biodegrades in a way that doesn't, that's not like typical polyester fibers. So it biodegrades much more quickly. And then again, most of the brands, all of them are using Ecotech certified fabrics. So no toxic chemicals in the dyes or other treatment processes. And then all, you know, all the cotton gussets <laughs> for the most part at this point are made from organic cotton. Well, organic, I mean, we put, you know, the Ecotech certification for people who don't know, like I know that when I made the wipes for Rosebud, we were almost to production and we put what was like a, what I thought was a, a bamboo cloth, but it wasn't Ecotech certified. And I learned that bamboo takes like 200 chemical processes to move from that fibrous uh, thing that you see growing by the side of the road into that super soft textile. And then if you don't get it Ecotech certified, then the residues of that remain in the fibers and rub off on the skin and particularly intimate parts of the body. Like we use our wipes on the vulva and the vagina, vaginal area. I didn't want that. So the idea of organic and Ecotech certified anything with lingerie or things that are closest to the body seems really vital. Yeah. And the sustainability question, especially in the fashion industry is so tricky because, you know, that you bring up a great example with the bamboo, because in some sense, it's more sustainable than cotton because it doesn't take as much water to grow. It's hugely intensive chemical process to break down the fiber. So there's a balance and people are doing really interesting things to make that make sense. So have you been out visiting some of your makers? Not in a while, but that's coming back soon. I'm actually headed to New York next week um, on a little buying trip. So excited to reconnect with everybody in person. Hey, if you're a vendor who she doesn't mention, give her a break. <laughs> what are your favorite vendors right now? What are the things you're loving? Ooh, well, I'm, I mean, this is no secret. I'm definitely a fangirl for La Fido, which is a Belgian based brand. And the founder, Muriel, she's just absolutely meticulous about materials and fit. And she's doing all kinds of amazing things around inclusivity in their marketing, but also in the actual sizing that they're offering. DSTM, which stands for Don't Shoot the Messengers, is a, a Berlin based brand and everything is that they make is is just super slick and really edgy and it, the materials are just, I mean it's so hard to describe they're so beautiful and so soft 
it almost, I mean, it's really, truly a second skin. And they do all the kinds of interesting play with like um, opacity and sheerness that is it just unlike anything else. And then of course, like Studio Pia and Bordel, they make the most beautiful embroideries and kind of strappy bondage inspired designs, which are also really fun. I mean, that feels, you know, often like sort of vacation type of things, but I mean, nothing makes you feel <laughs> princess like quite like 24 karat gold plated hardware. So <laughs> no kidding. Wow. No, I, lo- I love the that German brand DSTM also. Oh yeah. It's got, it looks nothing like a lacy frou-frou. It's just very luxurious. So you're also doing accessories, right? You do, uh, I saw tassels and other things. Talk to me about how you're curating those and how accessories fit into general lingerie. I mean, I think it's just such a playful addition to a lingerie collection or to the everyday styles that you might wear. So for example, um, Fräulein Kink, which is one of the main brands that do accessories in the shop. She has all these fun pasties that are um, made from Italian leather and reusable for years and years. They just add that little like burlesque vibe to (laughs) whatever you're wearing. Um, And they're great to kind of complete a look if you're wearing like an open cup bra, um, just to have that extra kind of teasy layer. And then the collars and harnesses. I mean, I've just been having so much fun with those. They're really, you know, it's an interesting sensation to wear something like that. And then again, it just is this nice fashion-y on trend, but like edgy styling layer. It, It occurs to me that you're using language that if you're not in the business of shopping for exotic clothing of some exotic lingerie, that you might not even know what some of these terms look like, like even you were just t- talking about an open cup. What? Let's let's just break it down. So, going from like the fullest play taxi bra that my great grandmother wore, mm-hmm. what, like just what are the what how what are the definitions of all these different cup styles? Sure. Yeah. So, um, like a full cup or molded cup bra would be kind of what you're describing. But a full cup bra could also describe something without any kind of padding. There's so many, <laughs> there's so many styles of bras. But, you know, like a balcony bra would be something with a bit less coverage. So that would hit kind of midway across the breast line. So that gives you a bit of a push up effect, like as if your breasts are actually on a shelf on a balcony. And then, a quarter cup bra would fall just below the nipples. So you get a bit of lift, but still more exposed look, um, I guess you would say. And one little just like interesting historical tidbit about the quarter cup bras is that they were actually really popular and a preferred choice for a lot of women in the 20s because they wanted that look of not wearing a bra, but wanted a bit more support. Whereas now, you know, it's considered kind of like an erotic style and not something that you would wear on the day to day, um, which is kind of interesting. And then an open cup bra would mean that it's basically just an underwire um, and no coverage of the breasts at all. So with an open cup bra, you know, again, it's more of a styling choice, but you could wear pasties, which are nipple covers that would be separate from the bra itself. 
And how does the pasty go on? Is it literally pasted on or does it suction or what is it? Well, there's a few different things, but usually it's an adhesive. So they tend to come either um, self-adhesive with, you know, kind of a sticky surface on the back already when you buy it or the more like long lasting ones, like the ones that I sell that are leather, for example, you would put like a double stick tape on them. Oh, that way it's reusable. Yes. Mm -hmm. Can you wear the quarter cup bras? or smaller if you have larger cup size? Oh yeah. Okay, good to know. I mean, you wanna make sure it's designed to support your breast volume, but yeah, all the ones that we carry would would work. Can go up. Yeah. This is so exciting, this is so good to know. Okay, <laughs> all right. What about the, you, you used the term, I think you said harnesses, or I'd seen it somewhere on your site before. What are those and when are they used and what does it evoke for you? Uh, a harness could, refer to something that is just worn on top and is usually has no cups and no underwire generally. It's hard to describe it verbally. <laughs> it usually goes around the neck or shoulders in some way and then around the underbust or the waist in some way. And alternatively, there are also harness briefs or bottoms that again are, are mostly kind of elastic strapping or something similar where there's no crotch or back coverage that it just kind of goes around the legs and around the waist, kind of framing the bottom half of the body. And then there's also full body harnesses, which usually aren't full body, you know, they don't go down to your toes or anything, but um, would be a combination of the top and bottom style harness. When people are playing with these, what is the general response? Like when I hear harness, I have this, I walk my dog and it wears like this little vest. And it's got the Velcro clips in the back. So, you know, that's what I think of when I think of harness. I'm trying to understand when you're in the shop and people are looking at these beautifully curated, beautiful things. What do they report the sensation as when they are trying on a harness, say, or what do people say to you? They really enjoy it as a way to kind of complete a lingerie look. So for example, like a bottom harness is great if you want a third piece to your bra and underwear set, but maybe you don't want to wear a garter belt because you don't want to wear garters or stockings. Um, but you, you, you want one more piece to create those beautiful lines that come together with the other items. Yeah. I feel like there's, there's also leg wear, there's covers like the robes and things, but there's so many ways that we could talk about it. But in general, what I hear you speaking to is to go out and play, to really enjoy how long and to investigate like how it makes you feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to hear more about if you could have one wish for all women. So like not necessarily about your business, but like, what's your vision? You know, I understand that we all have body image issues from time to time in our lives and experience as women and people in this world. But if it were up to me, I would love for people to have a safe space in their community where they can come and explore those topics and just really be in celebration and joy around where they're at at that moment and add to the beauty that they already possess. And, you know, play with adornment. Yeah, play with adornment. I was I was reading actually that there's some studies that like lingerie is a mindset and that nice underwear is actually good for your mental health. It's like such a a step towards self-care. 
So I'm going to I'm going to find the studies and the data on that to kind of amplify this message that choosing and caring for your own intimate anything that you can take out of the realm of transaction with someone else and bring back into the realm of I do it because I love it it feels good I want to um, becomes amplified whether that's how you dress or you know how you take care of your beautiful body you're not an object. Stop, stop objectifying yourself, I guess, I guess is the message. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's exactly, I'm right there with you. I'm really happy to know you. I'm happy that there's somebody out there that's choosing such beautiful things and is a stand for greater care in a global industry that has been lacking in it to a certain extent. Well, thank you so much, Christine. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you learned something. I sure did. I would like to leave you with this idea that whenever you find your curiosity that you're allowed to try new things and then decide whether it works for you or doesn't, you can't really know that until you experiment. If you enjoyed this episode, you can pick up your phone right now and text them a link to this episode and share it with them. I would sure appreciate it. You can always give me feedback. Let me know how the episode hit you at the.rose.woman on Instagram or at Rosebud Woman, our company. Have a great day. Be free. Be free.